Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Galit Speaks podcast. I am super excited about today's guest, Mandy Barstow. Mandy is a former operations director and spent the first 20 years of her professional life in dentistry. Mandy is now employed full-time by herself as a vegan baker in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she is also one half of the podcasting team at Woman Podcast. She is a lifelong student of the world we live in, and her passions include personal growth and mental health. Hobbies and interests include travel, learning about wine, jigsaw puzzles, and trying vegan food in new cities. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's so crazy because I I have actually been on your podcast and I was like, I cannot wait to have you on mine. And it was so yeah. much fun on yours. I was thinking about that earlier and uh, I was like, wow, it's been a probably a long time. I think you were on technically our first season and now we're almost at 100 episodes. Wow. Yeah, that that is amazing. And it is such a fun podcast. So if anyone is watching and wants to check out that podcast, please check it out because Mandy is amazing. Um, and it's just like, a, it's awesome. The topics that you guys go over is just about everything that you can think of. Yeah, we've really sort of honed in a little bit more. And our first season was a lot of entrepreneurs and people I know from the vegan world, so to speak. Uh, and we talked a lot about how, you know, you all built businesses and sort of your why and your purpose as a way of hopefully inspiring people to, you know, hone in on their own why and maybe listen to that voice and encourage them to chase things like that. This year, like, I guess the last two seasons, we've probably honed a little bit more in on, in general, helping women grow. Yeah. So a lot of personal development and mental health and type of topics. That's awesome. So when we met, I mean, I also um, know you because I love your cakes and your cupcakes and your cookies and all your goodies, all your vegan goodies. Um, when we met, you were doing that part time. Did the podcast inspire you to go full time? Uh, not directly. No, I wanted to do this full time a couple years ago. And then I was honestly 20, 2019 was a really, really busy year for me in the baking world. And I was like, I was kind of going at a breakneck pace, like a pace I just I could barely sustain at the end of the year, especially with having a full time director position, you know, working usually a good 50 hours a week in the office. And um, and baking all night and delivering cakes, you know, all weekend and just all of my days off, I used my PTO to do events and festivals and other things. So I was really busy in 2019. And then the world, I was gearing up to leave my job in 2020. And then wow. the world sort of came to a screeching halt and food businesses in particular were impacted yeah. pretty heavily. And I thought, gosh, might not be a great time to push into a brick and mortar. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know when people are going to feel comfortable going back to the things that they are used to doing and, you know, sitting with other people because the the goal, the vision is to have, uh, I'm calling it a destination dessertery. Ooh. So 
Yeah, more like a bar speakeasy vibe, girls night, date night with cocktails and fancy vegan desserts. So I was like, gosh, might, might not be a great time right now. Nobody really wants to be around other people. And so I just, you know, and then also in the dent, because of the pandemic in the dental world, things were kind of rapidly changing and we were having to pivot on a daily or weekly basis, how we were doing things. So my day job got a little exciting and I know it sounds really weird to say the pandemic made my day job a little more exciting, but I had a challenge suddenly, you know, and I wasn't, I kind of had grown it to this point and made it what I could. And I was, I was sort of done with it going into that. And then with the pandemic, it was like, oh, something new, something fun to do. And um, just, yeah. So that, that kind of held me hanging on to my day job for a little longer than originally anticipated. And then once that all settled down and food business came back, people, you know, have gotten back into the swing of things. I, decided that early last year, 2022, it was, well, actually, I guess it was the end of 2021 because I turned in my notice like the first of the year, 2022. Wow. Yeah. So how, how has your first year been? Yeah. Literally I'm hitting almost because I helped them out part-time a little bit as I was leaving my senior admin also decided to leave, which threw a little, yeah, it was, it was rough for them for a bit, but uh, I helped them part-time remotely as much as I could kind of keep the wheels on the bus. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm coming up on a full year right now of just working for myself. And it's been wild. It's been really fun. <laughs> like sort of the the rebound effect of not having to wake up at certain, you know, at a certain hour every day and rush to get ready and make yourself presentable and get clothes on and then hit the freeway and drive 20 miles in rush hour traffic to and from work. It was really interesting. It was really, really nice. I'm really enjoying not waking up to an alarm. (laughs) I, uh, I like making my own schedule. I'm really good with calendaring things and time blocks and making time for myself, having time for fitness again, having time to cook myself dinner. It's really nice. Yeah. It's, it's a totally different kind of lifestyle, right? It's yeah. it's something that um, I was not good at calendars and, um, you know, making sure that I had time for everything when I started. And I had to learn really quickly that, like, I need to live by a calendar. I need to, like, put everything in. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. Um, and I also needed to make sure that I had time for myself every day, because that was another thing that, you know, I feel like when you start your business, you're, you're just like willing to put in every second of every day to just make it happen. And then at some point you realize like, this is not actually helping me progress because like I am burnt out all the time. I'm just exhausted all the time. And it's not getting, I'm not getting done what I should be getting done in the time. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think at the beginning, I felt a little bit less attached to a calendar because I'm like, oh, I have all of this time. <laughs> I have 10 hours back every day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I quickly was like, okay, still need to make sure I'm really on top of this calendar thing. And 
because I because of the former day job, it's like I'm used to running multiple Google calendars. So now it's just there's just there's a different one now. There's the personal one, the business one, the podcast one, and um, yeah, I I live by the calendar. I think I think you know Nathan who owns Freak Brothers Pizza. Mm-hmm. So I ran into him the other day, and he said, "How was your weekend?" And I said, "Good." I think <laughs> he goes, let me check my calendar and see what I did. I'm yeah, kind of exactly how I feel right now. I'm like, I know I was busy. I had a great time. <laughs> I was, you know, there's cakes and weddings. It's event season. So it's everything's kind of in full swing with that right now. And, but yeah, if it doesn't get on the calendar, it probably doesn't happen. I mean, that's date nights. That's taking my walk jumping on my spin bike, doing some yoga, whatever I'm doing, I, I have to write it all down. Um, oh, I've yeah. tried to, I've tried to do the paper planner thing and the paper planner never really works out for me. No, because I forget to like it for it to work. I feel like it needs to be on you a hundred percent of the time. And I don't walk around with a lot of stuff on me. <laughs> and so like the phone, I know, if it's not on me, it's close by. Yeah. And it will like, you know, I have it so that it alerts me like at least 10 minutes before my next thing, if not longer, if there's like a drive or something that I need to get to. But I also put like everything. Um, I remember a few ago, I would put my dates on it as well. <laughs> Yeah, I put dates with their names. I'm like, date with this person, where I'm going. It's like trackable on Google in case something crazy happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also did the, I didn't do trackable on Google. I had a couple of people, this was like back when I was dating via the apps. Yeah. Um, I I was, I had a couple of friends that I, I had on find my friends. Like, so they knew they're actually still on there. So they know where I am (laughs) at all times. And then if there was like a date that was going well, I would snap a quick, like before the date, I would obviously send the person's picture and like a little brief description about like where I'm going to someone that was like designated or whatever. And then if I was like, not going to check in quickly, I would have them take a picture with me and then send it to the person like, everything's okay. I'm okay. I'm going to check in in a couple hours. Yeah. I've done that before too. Like, you know, if it's a quick date, hour and a half, two hours, like it's kind of what I give to a first date, generally speaking. It was more than that. It's like, no, I don't, you, I have, but I must say I went on a first date not very long ago that lasted like seven hours, which is completely out of the ordinary for me, but it was amazing. And um, we just kept hanging out. Uh, but typically it's like an hour and a half to two hours. And then I check in with a friend. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. I'm alive. I'm heading home. Still have all my organs. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy that we have to do that, but I mean, yeah. the, the dating world is, is insane. Um, I definitely felt that, uh, thankfully I haven't had to deal with that in Arizona. I don't really know what it's like here. Um, but in New York, I always felt like it was like insanity. It's wild here. You never knew who was going to show up, like (laughs) legit never knew who was going to show up. If their picture was going to be a picture from like 15 years ago, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like looking at people. Uh, yeah. Men in their profiles. I mean, I don't know. What are you doing? I need to recognize you when you walk in the door. Like clearly I can tell from the megapixels on this photo that this is 11 years old. This is like one megapixel. Was this on a flip phone? Where did you get this? Like, why do you even still have this photo? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I'm like remembering one date in particular where I got there and the photo had to be from 10 years ago. <laughs> and then the first thing that he says to me is, wow, I'm so glad you look like your photos. And I'm like, oh, oh like you, yes. I can't even believe the double standard here. Like, oh, they 100% like double standard gaslight you. Like, like yeah. oh, you look just like your photos. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is... <laughs> How long ago did you look like this person, right? It's like, what? What? Yeah. Oh my it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy ride out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I want, so I have a question that's like kind of personal, but I've been wondering about it. And I'm wondering, like, you don't have to answer. Um, so you on your Instagram, have this running thing with a pool guy like that you're like watching the pool guy and I want to know what it's all about because I watch it <laughs> and I'm like, I want to know where the pool guy is and what he's doing right now but I want to know how did that start and why <laughs> I wish I could remember <laughs> I I don't know at what point I started filming the pool guy, but he has so many fans. <laughs> like, people message me about him anytime I post him. I get so many likes on the story. I get people who are like hitting me, like DMing me to like responding to those stories saying, oh my gosh, this pool man, I love these stories. He's Insta famous. He doesn't even know. <laughs> people love <laughs> I think it was during COVID when I started just, I was home more during the day because yeah. from my day job, we split our teams. So um, at the time, the office manager that was under me and myself, we split our dental assisting team and we like kind of ran half the clinic every other week. Half of us would work remotely, half of us would be in the clinic. So I think when I was home more on a regular basis, I would just, you know, I'd be milling about the house. I'd be going for walks and I would just see the pool guy. And I'm like, oh, oh, and that's what else happened. So, you know, I think the governor shut down pools at one point during COVID and it finally got reopened as it was starting to get warm here in Arizona, maybe the beginning of May, but then something happened with our hot tub here and the county shut the whole thing down. So there was this long saga of me wanting to be in my pool because it's summer, it's hot, and we couldn't get in. Okay. So, and I kept seeing the pool guy going out there and cleaning it. And I'm like, why? We're not even <laughs> allowed in there. I'm like, how long is it going to be before this gets fixed? Like, let me in my pool, let me in the hot tub. Like, and so I think I started filming him because then, because I was watching to see if things were getting fixed. Um, and then it just stuck around. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it clearly hooked somebody who had no idea what was going on. I'm just like, yeah, I'm interested. What is the pool guy doing? <laughs> yeah, and his days have changed. I swear he used to come towards the end of the week. And now I see him on Mondays. So 
on Mondays at my positively frosted Instagram, you know, try to catch the pool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so here's another question. So I want to talk a little bit about positively frosted. Okay. What is the reason behind the name? Because that's something that caught me as soon as I saw it. And I was just like, I want to try that. Good question. Um, People ask me that a lot. So I was brainstorming names back when I was workshopping this business idea. It was 2016. I had just written down two note pages basically full of things. And I I didn't want it to be my name because it just felt too kind of basic and generic. And I just was like, eh, I don't want a bakery named after me. I'm like, I want it to say something about what it is without using the word bakery or bakes or, you know. And then I want it to exude a, a happy vibe. Like I just want people to feel good when they see it. And I just, I wrote down words and just, I wrote them down and wrote them down. And I literally like drew lines across the pages and circled things. And until I came up with that one and I sent it out, I was pretty attached to it, but I, I sent it out to a couple of friends and asked what they thought. And they gave me a thumbs up and it's been, it's been really well received. So thank you for the compliment. A lot of people actually say that to me. They're like, I love the name of this. And I, uh, I'd never expected really to get that big, like to get people telling me that very often, but it was, it was the intention to give people, uh, you know, sort of a, just a happy feeling when they saw the name. Yeah. And it definitely works. And I feel like it, it works on so many levels, right? We, because that's one thing I feel like I try to practice within my life is I support businesses that I feel like align with my values. And I feel like that was something that really aligned with me and my values and, and just that feeling of, you know, making sure that I'm making a positive impact in the world. And, and, and so when your bakery's name, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's another person that wants to make a positive impact in the world. And it was immediate connection for me. Yeah, my I kind of I'm workshopping changing my tag line to be baking people happy. Ooh. Um, so <laughs> I uh yeah, I just I just I don't know. I it just resonated with me, something that was happy, something that was good, something that I think my mission here on earth, this little time that I'll be here is also impact. So lessening my impact in some ways and then how I can positively impact you know while I'm here. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, uh, because I know you from vegan circles. So I want to talk about what was your journey to becoming vegan and, uh, and why? It was, so I'm coming up on nine years. It'll be nine years, April 1st. And it was when I worked at the university, when I worked for the dental school, it, um, I went to a lecture during lunch one day and just something they it was something that they were encouraging us to do is these little healthy seminars and they were giving us free pita jungle so i was like me up <laughs> and I'll, i'm going for the lunch i whatever you're talking about i'll listen and so there was a panel and they spoke about vegetarianism veganism uh, pescatarianism they talked there was a panel of people it was students and teachers and they just sort of talked about the reasons why they did it health benefits, some of the dietary issues, 
health things that could clear up or, you know, reverse maybe uh, impact on the planet, which had always been a thing for me. So I'd always been a person who was really interested in putting things in my body that were, you know, going to make me feel good. So I'd given up red meat in the nineties on a whim. Like I was just like, I don't know, I'm going to go a year without eating red meat. I don't really care about it. I'll see how it goes. And I got so much pushback in the Midwest. I was in Michigan at the time. I got a lot of pushback for it and I'm a little bit defiant by nature. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I was like, you know what? People seem to not like this, which makes me think I might really be onto something. I'm just going to stick with it. And I just never ate red meat again. And that's been 27 years or 25 years, 25 years. And uh, yeah, a long time. Um, So going, going back to the lecture at school, I came home and was telling my then boyfriend, just, just chatting about my day. Here's the things I learned really interesting talking about some of the books they introduced us to one was the 30 day vegan challenge. And he said, let's do it. Let's go vegan for 30 days. And I was like, Hmm, what? I don't want to do that. (laughs) I I was just thinking I would go cut down my meat intake to two days a week. You know, that would be a huge impact on the planet of, you know, an impact on me, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he said, no, I've really been looking for a little something, just changing something up. So I did it out of solidarity, a 30 day vegan challenge with him. I got that book from the library made some of the recipes out of it. I've always liked to cook and bake, but I really, I enjoy both very much. And I had such a good time making new recipes, discovering flavors and ingredients that I had never cooked with. It was really, really exciting. And about three weeks in, I sort of made the decision that I was going to continue doing this for an undetermined amount of time. At first I thought 90 days. At some point I pushed it to a year and I thought I'm going to do this for a full year and see what happens. And here I am nine years later running a fully vegan baking business. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, so did he stick on with it as well? No. <laughs> he like stopped after the 30 days. Yeah. I think he made it like 32 days. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy that like he was the one that wanted to do it. And then once you were doing it, yeah. um, you were just like, I'm, I, I got this. I'm going to continue. Yeah it really clicked with me. It's, it just felt so right. Sort of like moving to Arizona. I basically moved here blind from Michigan. I just, I, I had been to Vegas a few times and I'd been to some tropical islands a few times and palm trees. Every time I got near a palm tree, anywhere where there was palm trees, I was, I just had this feeling that that's where I was supposed to be. And So many, many moons ago, I was married in Michigan and I had gotten divorced and I was, when I was married, I had said, I remember saying to him one day, like, I think I just need to move to the Southwest. Like I need to move West. I need palm trees and sunshine. And he was like, well, you'll be going alone. And I remember thinking, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that's the plan. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I, yeah, after I divorced, I hung out in Michigan for a little bit and I sort of made some moves to make my life shift and move to Arizona just because it felt what I was supposed to do, felt like what I was, where I was supposed to be. And the same thing happened with veganism. The minute I 
I got into it and then just, it really lit me up. I started to feel really different, whether that was the excitement from being creative and eating new things and making new things. So I'm not really sure if it lit up that side of my brain as equally as it did. Like just, I've had a very light feeling about me that I hadn't had before. And I just decided to hold on to it and keep going and ride it out and see what happened. I wasn't putting a whole lot of pressure on it. I just was really enjoying how I was feeling. Yeah, I can, I can definitely identify with that. I feel like I had been, so I'm coming up on almost three years now, vegan. Um, And when I started, so I was already allergic to dairy. So dairy had already been cut out of my life. And the, the last thing that was still sticking around was eggs. Okay. Um, and then when my, when I met my now husband, he was vegan and it just like, he was like, Hey, well, just like, you can give it a shot. He never pressured me or anything about it. And I was just like, you know what? I mean, the last thing I'm eating is eggs. I might as well just give this a shot and see how it goes. And the same thing, it like really connected with me. And I just felt like, oh, I'm doing something good and I feel good doing it. Um, And then as I continued to research into it, um, it was just like further solidified my decision of just, because I'm so big on uh, making sure that I have a positive impact on the world that you know, a big thing for me is like consent. Um, And, and the fact that an animal cannot consent to me eating something that it produces was, you know, just to have that conversation with myself and being like, oh, that's why this really makes sense to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I would not want anyone to do this to me. So how could I be doing this to something else? Yeah, that's really fair. I mean, the co- and you know, I didn't jump into it for the animals. I jumped into it sort of out of again, out of support for the boyfriend at the time. And yeah. I'd always had an interest in health and the planet, and those were kind of my triggers for wanting to move in that direction. But it's impossible to not start seeing the impact it has on, you know, living creatures on the planet when you're in it. It's like Cognitive dissonance is great. Sure. You know, ignorance is bliss, I guess, on the other side. It's like what you don't know. I mean, those are faceless packages wrapped in plastic at the grocery store and like making that connection that, you know, this was was against their will. And I don't know, factory farming, all of that is really, really gross to me. Not only are the animals suffering, suffering, a big thing for me is that the humans in that industry are also really suffering. Yeah, they're paid really crappy wages. They're often very sick, you know, like those chicken farms where they're feeding them antibiotics and all sorts of like the humans also become, uh, what's the word? Like you become intolerant, I guess, sort of to some of that stuff. And then you get sick and it's hard to treat yourself when you get sick because you have a resistance to antibiotics. And I just, the whole industry is kind of gross to me. So I don't, I don't want to support that. Yeah. And even for me, um, I think it was because also like fish was something I didn't really eat. And that was because in college, um, I started scuba diving and 
when you get down there, so for me, it was always like I got down there and had this immediate reaction of like fish or food, <laughs> you know, where I was just like so amazed by all of them and their lives and like the whole ecosystem in the ocean. But I was just like not fond of eating fish. And, um, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of documentaries have come out on how our fishing is also not sustainable in any way. Yeah. And um, so that, that was another thing that like, you know, once I had this, um, and I had been leaning for many years towards mostly vegan, and especially eating at a lot of vegan restaurants, just because I knew that I wouldn't get sick because, you know, my dairy allergy is one that I won't die, but I'll want to for, (laughs) for a day, (laughs) a day or two, or maybe a week, depending on how much I ingest, you know? Um, And so I always knew that I could eat at a vegan restaurant and not get sick. And um, so it just like made sense to just, go full vegan. And I'm, I'm really appreciative that I had like, a, you know, somebody that could show me the ropes. And, you know, I think that's, that's a big hurdle for people is there is amazing vegan food out there. And there is also not so great vegan food out there. And sometimes like, if you don't have that person who has been vegan for a while, and can be like, Oh no, I've tried that brand. You don't want that. hundred <laughs> percent. You can get like, you, you can get disillusioned with it real quick and just be like, Oh, vegan food is disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, nine years ago, there were maybe three brands of vegan cheese on the shelves. And now there's probably eight, depending on which store you go to. So it can, yeah. Ask a friend before you start buying stuff. <laughs> Because it's not cheap, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't think dairy cheese is necessarily cheap either, but it's like, it's not cheap. Ask your friends what, what they, uh, what they prefer. And I mean, you have to do your own analysis, I guess, to figure out what's going to work best for you. And it's funny, like, there's not one brand of things across the board. That's the best for everything. It's like, I like this brand for this and this brand for this. And if I'm having tacos, I want this, you know, so it's, it's a lot of trial and error, but I mean, to be honest, if, if, and if you if you aren't a person who's already, you know, pretty knowledgeable, I guess, in the kitchen, it might be a little hard for you to also go vegan, but it's not going to be any harder than it was when you were learning to cook in general. You just have to think of it like I'm starting over. This is the first time I'm moving out of the house and I'm learning to cook. Get a cookbook, follow some recipes, find a blogger online, follow their recipes and just sort of have fun with it. I mean... It doesn't have to be difficult. And I hear, I heard a story the other day of a girl who was like, I went vegan once for, I forget how long she told me. She's like, I went vegan for a little while. She's like, I swear all I ate was Fritos because it only has like corn and oil. It's like three ingredients. It's like corn, salt, and oil or something. I'm like, wow, <laughs> there's about 3000 vegetables you could have been choosing from. I mean, there's so many foods. Like, honestly, you can still in my mind, I'm like, veganism is not restrictive at all, especially when it comes to what's on your plate, because 
everything is vegan besides basically meat, eggs, and dairy. And there's really three things you're just leaving off of it and everything else is yours. Processed foods you have to watch out for. It's kind of annoying that they sneak milk and milk powder into a lot of random things, but I don't know. It, I don't find it restrictive at all. So, and I, I totally feel you on the whole fish thing. I was also never a fan of seafood. I was really fussy and would not eat very many fish. Um, so it wasn't very hard for me to let that go. And just the wreck that the ocean, the ocean is, we know more about space than we know about our ocean, which is really mm -hmm. strange to me. And I mean, that's kind of the life of the planet, right? Like it, if we don't have our oceans, we don't have a planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, and I know that like, I talk about like people switching to veganism full time, but I'm all for, and I know you've said it as well, like even having it one day or two days a week and just like cutting down your consumption of animal products just for a few days has huge benefits both toward to the environment and to your own personal health. Yeah. I remember that when I first got sick, um, you know, I have, we've spoken about it. I have POTS and got it as a result of long COVID. Um, and when I first got really sick with it, I went to a naturopath and the first thing that he told me is like, do you eat meat? And I was like, no, 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 I'm vegan. And he's like, okay, stay to that diet. Because the health benefits of having a vegan diet, it helps you with your whole body, you know? It's yeah. not just, you know, it's, it's not just uh, this idea. Uh, and you can be a very unhealthy vegan. Yes. I mean, there's tons of vegan junk food, but like even switching a couple of meals out um, or just a day or two that you don't eat meat or dairy can have a huge impact on both the environment and your personal health. Yeah, it's really important, I think, to understand that not every meal needs an animal meat on the plate. And you can have lots of complete meals, feel very satisfied, hit your macros without animals on the plate. And uh, yeah, if you can hit a couple of days a week, two days a week, even just with, you know, having vegan meals, I think you're doing a really good thing for yourself and the planet. And, you know, I drive a I drive a hybrid. I've always carried, I've carried my own grocery totes for longer than I can remember. Like I've always been this person. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's something it, I don't know, just something I feel really passionate about not making as little harm as possible. Leave things better than I found them. Yeah. I love that sentiment. And that's the way I, I strive to live my life. Um, another thing that I want to talk to you about, because I feel like you've mentioned it a couple of times and, and, um, just from knowing a little bit about your story, like you've started over in quite a bit, like quite a lot of different ways. Um, where does that come from? Like, do you have, do you, has it always been spurred on by something that happened or is it something that you have inside that just makes you feel like you want something new? 
I definitely have something inside of me that just tells me to do things. I think the moving to the Southwest was definitely one of those things, like getting divorced, like getting married. I I didn't want to get married. I just did it because I was engaged and that's what you're supposed to do next. And I was 21 and no one told me I shouldn't do it or I had the option to bail. So I just did it. <laughs> and I was super miserable for a solid year. And then I sort of settled in and tried to be in the role and just never really worked out. We weren't, we weren't on the same path. And I obviously was still, my frontal lobe wasn't even developed. Like you should never make decisions like that before you're 25, 26 years old, people like slow yeah. down. You have so much time. You do not need to rush into these things. And I was developing into the person that I was going to be. And I realized that Michigan wasn't where I wanted to live. I didn't want to live in this house with this person. I, I, I wanted bigger. I wanted more. I knew I could have more and I had to get out of there to get it. Yeah. So I just made the decision one day. I was like, I'm out. I'm leaving. This isn't working for me. Like we had talked about it maybe once or twice before and he was not in line with me leaving, but it's what I had to do. And so I did. And then um, because I had wanted to move to the Southwest for so long, I just honestly, my boss that I was working for at the time was getting ready to retire. And it just seemed like the universe was lining things up really well for me to be able to make the move. So I visited Arizona and I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go there. <laughs> wow. And leaving my day job again, it's just things I feel really called to do. And it's like things I might be contemplating for periods of time. And I know that I'm going to get there. And I just, I sit back and I kind of wait and let, let the, let things tell me when it's, when I'm ready, when I'm ready, when the next step is ready, when, when I need to make my moves, I feel like things happen. And if you just relax and sort of let go, it will happen when it's supposed to. Yeah. So is that your biggest piece of advice to somebody who's thinking about starting over? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to get really clear with yourself and understand what you want. And is that going to like, are you working towards a goal? Like, are they, are the actions you're taking daily moving the needle to where you say you want to be? Because your daily actions, that is who you are. So your your daily actions need to need to line up with that. Like, what are your values? What are your goals? Get really clear on those things. You know, go on the internet, look up some worksheets, start working on those things. And there's there's a balance of patience and work. Like you have to put in the work. There's no, you can't just manifest something and it just falls into your lap. You like you, you manifest things by putting them on a board, on a vision board, and you look at it every day and you take little steps to get there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think one of my biggest things is like, get really clear on what it is you want. Look at it every day. Know that the steps you're taking are moving you in that direction. Um, but also exercise some patience and give yourself a lot of grace because I mean, in those big moves, there were probably a hundred tiny little failures and things that I would have done differently if I could look back, but also the failures teach me things. So be patient, have some grace with yourself and you can change your mind. That's also, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of 
you're allowed to change your mind. You don't have to do this forever. Yeah. I love, I love that because I've also started over many, many times in my life and my approach is a little bit more, um, less patient. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> like I consider myself uh, a jumper, right? Like I decide on something and I immediately put it into play and like, if it doesn't work out, I pivot to something else, but like, I'm going for it right now, today. So I love hearing other people still going for it, but leaning into who they are as, as a person and using their own personality and making sure that, you know, you gave yourself the time and you were patient with yourself. And it just because you're not a jumper doesn't mean that you're not going to get it done. It doesn't, right. you don't have to like, look at my story and say, oh, I, you know, I didn't do it that way. And so I must not be doing it. No, there's a million ways to get it done. And there's a million ways to get yourself to where you need to be. Um, you just have to do the one that feels right for you. Yeah, I think. And I mean, so I'm, there's probably also some fear in your style, right? Like I know in my style, there's always little tiny fears and there's going to be people around you telling you, you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. Or are you sure you want to do that? Shush those people up. But I mean, there's going to be fears. There's going to be failures either which way you go. And it's important to know that you, you are not your thoughts. You can just, you can have them, you can let them go and you can still follow those dreams, chase those goals do those big things. Yeah, there's definitely, um, there's definitely fear in, in the way. Um, and there has definitely been people in every part of my life that have told me like, I couldn't do it, or I shouldn't do it. Um, I mean, at one point, I had people take bets to see how long I would last doing certain yeah. things. Like, when I went uh, traveling when I was 19, my family literally took bets on how long I would last um, before I came home. And the longest was two weeks. And <laughs> I lasted six months until my money ran out. <laughs> and then I came back and just was like, I'm going to just keep traveling every year, but it won't be like a full on, you know, six months to a year type of thing. Um, but yeah, when I started my business, there were doubters. Um, I, there was fear on my part, right? Of course, because you're you're not sure if you're going to make it. But I know myself and my personality style is that I need the fire. I need mm -hmm. it to like, you know, I need the, if I, you know, if I don't put all into it, I'm not going to put any into it. And like, yeah. I need the fire under me to be like, this is it. You need to make this work because then I will make it work. I will move heaven and earth to make it work. But that is just my personality. And like, yeah. that definitely does not work for everyone because you can completely get taken over by that feeling. And there have been moments where like the fear sets in and you're like, oh shit, what the hell did I do? I'm not going to make it. Um, and you need to be, you need to have the personality that is just going to like, there is no not going to make it, you know, <laughs> like this is going to work no matter what, even if I have to pivot, 
but mm-hmm. allowing myself that is is a big part of it of like yeah this this specific direction might not work but as long as i'm going yeah in the same general direction i'm okay yeah that's very yoda it's like do or do not there is no try <laughs> like i yeah. love that it's like I, I don't do you curse on this show are there, is there a curse yeah, I <laughs> It feels really gross to me to do anything half-ass. Like, I don't want to do it. I'd rather do it. I want to do it, and I want to put the proper amount of energy into it, or I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want something halfway done. Like, yuck. Also, important to note about the fear is just push through it. Because once you've done the thing, the confidence, the reassurance, the self-esteem boost you get, from doing shit you thought was too hard or scary is phenomenal. It becomes very addicting. <laughs> it's it's like, I am ready. I got like, because I've done all these things, I know I can do more. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, and it's, it's kind of like a muscle. You just have yeah. to keep working that muscle yeah. and then it gets stronger and stronger. And you can, you, you literally feel like you can, you can do anything. Yes, totally agree. It's, uh, yeah, I think the only thing stopping you is you, you know, at, at most of the time. It's like, we're, if, if anyone, if I can do it, I think anyone can do it. And if I've seen anyone else do it, I know I could do it too. So, I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's drive, it's ambition, it's wanting it, it's being able to push past the fear, it's making the choice to do that. That is the only difference between, you know, it's the doers and the non-doers. It's, it's a choice. Yeah. And do you have any tips on pushing past the fear? Oh, pushing past the fear. I mean, you know, sit in it. And so a big thing for me with fear, I guess, is how much of this is a story that I'm telling myself and how much of this is fact. So Mm -hmm. sort out the story from the fact. And a lot of times you'll see that you're just, it's all fear is all story. It's all, what is it? False evidence appearing real is the acronym. And these are just old tapes. These are, these are your parents' ideas or your grandparents' ideas. There's generational stuff buried in your brain from all the women before you who were told they couldn't do anything. You know, your grandmother didn't have a bank account until she was an adult, probably, you know, like mm-hmm. things women haven't been allowed to do for a really long time. That stuff's buried in our DNA. And I'm like, no, that's not my story. I don't own that. I don't take any part in that. That was yours. It's not mine. I can rewrite how this goes. Like these fears in your head are, they're real, but they're not yours. So finding a way to let them go and writing your own story is sort of how I look at it. Yeah, I do something something similar, which is I will ask myself like, realistically speaking, what is the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen if I take this action? And like, once I've determined what that is, and if it's really not that horrible, like it's not all that I'm building it up to be in my head, then I'm taking the action, you know? That's a super important one. Um, We had a guest on Women Get In, a coach who says the same thing. She's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Play it out in your head. Worst case scenario, this, then what you do this. Okay, great. Nobody died. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah. 
I feel like it's so much the same um, when I work with clients on like the financial coaching side. It's, it's always this huge thing that is built up in your head. But when you actually look at it and like put a name to it and, and really identify what, what is like, where am I? What is the worst thing, worst possible thing that it could be? And like, where am I actually? And it's not so scary anymore once you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, put a name to it. It's a lot. Yeah, put a name to it and it becomes a lot smaller. It's not such a big thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think that that's probably my biggest tip on fear is that it's mostly in your head. It's mostly imagination. Yeah. And it's not, it's not your story. Recognize what your story is and know that that's, that's someone else's stuff in your head. It's the same thing with, you know, if you struggle with confidence issues, if you struggle with, um, I don't know, putting yourself out there in certain situations, a lot of that is, is something that someone else put into your head because you're not born with those ideas and those thoughts. They land there throughout, throughout time, you know, crappy friends, family members, TV, the media, whatever it is, is constantly trying to get into your head and, you know, rewrite your story for you. And you just have to be really conscious of it and pay attention and um, not let not let anybody else decide who you are or what you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you, what what is next for you? What's your next, uh, are you, is, is the next thing you're planning on opening that brick and mortar? I am. So I'm sort of in the patience phase with it right now. I'm, the business is going really great. I'm really super busy. I have a lot of ideas for what I want in a brick and mortar and a storefront. And uh, I've had some people chat with me before who want to work with me on certain aspects of the business. So right now I'm just kind of letting some pieces fall into place as I, you know, I'm looking for things like I have a realtor, you know, um, uh, what's it called? A commercial realtor friend. And there's just a lot of little things that are falling into place lately and lining up for me to be able to sort of move into the next space and see where I'm going to be and how that's going to look. I have a lot of ideas. So, um, that's that's exciting. It's getting exciting because I feel like I'm putting a lot. I'm I'm visualizing it a lot more these days, mm-hmm. and that, that tends to be my the step that happens with me is like I see it and then I make it. Yeah, so I that, love that. That's the next step, mm-hmm. and then I thank you. I'd really like to get our podcast built up a little bit more. I also have sort of a longer term goal, like two to five year goal of moving into a personal coaching space. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be able to impact a little bit more and have a little more outreach to help women particularly. Yeah. I love that you're living, you're literally living your process right now. Yeah. It's so important to see that, like, especially for someone like you who is, you know, living their dream and living so- their business is already established, but you're still continuing and you're still moving forward towards your bigger goals because I think sometimes we can get lost right we we've accomplished that one big goal and and then we just want to stay comfortable and yeah. 
not reach towards what we really, really want in life. So I love that you're continuing and you're, you know, you know where you want to go and, and you're working towards it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think a lot, I didn't know what it was about a long time ago, but a long, long time ago, I recognized in me kind of like you said, you're a jumper, you're, you know, you like the, the fire was your word. And yeah. a long, long time ago, I realized within myself that I am almost allergic to comfort. <laughs> like, I mean, I like to be comfortable in my home. Don't get me wrong. My bed is my like sacred space. Like my bed is comfy and I have, you know, satin pillowcases and things like there are a lot of things I like personal comfort but to ever like getting married and sitting in a house and just doing the same thing day after day after day after day like a little robot you go to work you come home you cook dinner you eat you go to bed like watch a sitcom and go to sleep like it's so incredibly uh it was like strangling my brain it was suffocating on me and my soul and I had to get out of there and uh I, I feel that way now, like not in relationship, like I've, oh my gosh, I've developed so much in the personal, in my, in romantic relationships and personal life in those ways. But I, I know now that even if I'm not fly, if I haven't flown anywhere and gotten out of town, like I start to look at airplanes and I'm like, oh man, I got to get on one of those soon. Like I got to drive out of town. I got to do something. I got to get out of here. I'm, I, even if I just go somewhere, I swear to you, when I was working, even if I just went somewhere else and I worked in four different walls, even if I just went somewhere and did almost nothing, just ate at a couple different restaurants and looked at four different walls for a week, that was enough to stimulate me just to get out of my ordinary. Like I, I really can't do the same thing day after day after day. Like I'm, I love traveling. I want to see new places. I want to do new things. I am very creative. I love building like building businesses building just building community building 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 and creating is really my just what gets me going in the morning yeah yeah how did you settle on that was it just something you knew innately the creative and the building and all that i you know i just was doing it i didn't really see that I was doing it so consciously a lot. I just, at one point I sat back and I thought, wow, like when I became the director of operations, I was like, yeah, operations, mm -hmm. that's what I do. That's what I love. I love policy and procedure and implementing things and getting things organized and running as efficiently and beautifully as possible. And I'm also not romantically attached to a lot of things. So it's like, I'm not romantic about this policy or procedure. Like if there's a new and a better way to do it, that's gonna get the job done better, more efficient, less costly, like that yeah. type of, <laughs> like it's so nerdy, but that's what I love. I'm like, let's do it, let's change it. Let's flip this around. What does it look like? Again, back to the fear, there's no fear. It's like, try something new. If it doesn't work, we'll go back to the old way. So. Yeah living in that world of like dentistry and COVID, especially I think where we were constantly trying new things, that's why that was really exciting to me at the time. Cause it just, it lit up that part of my brain that loves trying new things that likes to build and be creative and problem solve. Like I love jigsaw puzzles cause I love solving things. I love putting things together. I love looking at a complicated mess and figuring it out. Yeah, it's probably why I want to do coaching. I want to take complicated, messy little people and figure them out. Help them figure themselves out is more like it. Like, I'm not trying to figure you out, but like help people figure themselves out like that. I've always had a real, I don't know, a flair for psychology and 
Yeah. Yeah. I very much connect with that. I, I think that's the same reason I got into coaching and I like puzzles too. And I love Legos and like, I love building and creating. And so you're speaking my language. <laughs> sense to me. Um, we are birds of a feather. <laughs> yeah. I think it also like, it just kind of happened for me as well, yeah. where you, you don't realize it's happening until it's happening. And then it just like, is so obvious all of a sudden. Yeah. But was it also like, I tried a lot of things. Like I had, you know, I had a lot of different jobs and I tried a lot of things and suddenly you fall into something that really lights you up. And it's like, oh, that's why I always like doing this. And that's why I like this, because this is my lane. Like, this is what I, this is what I'm good at. And fortunately I like to do it. Yeah. I have done everything. Um, <laughs> I have a, a big part of my, like I worked in a grocery store. My, that was my first job, but um a big part of my life was in restaurants. I was a waitress and a restaurant manager. And um, then I was a paralegal and I worked for an orthopedic surgeon and uh, did surgical scheduling. And then I, um, I, I did mortgages. Okay. I was a, I'm a certified master mortgage underwriter. And wow. like, yeah, like, I had so many different things that I went into and then I did mortgage compliance. Um, yeah, I did pretty much everything and then found, you know, I just landed where I was supposed to land and was able to create my business from there. My final job before I started out on my own was, um, I was the entire finance department uh, for a tech startup company and I was their first person they ever hired for finance. So I literally got to create their systems from scratch. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I can do this because this gives me like all of the ability to create the systems that aren't there. And I can use that super efficient, super, you know, easy automated system um and i can make something i can create something and when i was there i just was like i i was like i don't have to do this for just one company i can do this for as many companies as i can handle and i started my business in 2015 and quit my full-time job in 20 early 2016 and yeah. have not looked back since that's rad. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, it, I think it just works that way for us. And if you're open to it and you're, you, you have to be open to the idea to see it when it's presenting itself in front of you and then be brave enough to snatch it. Yeah. That's very well said. I think that's, that's exactly it. So we are coming up on an hour and I want um, to make sure that people know how to reach out to you. Sure. So what are the best ways? Um, I'm on Instagram a fair amount of the time. So Instagram, uh, the baking business is at positively underscore frosted. I have a podcast for or, um, an Instagram for the podcast, which is at woman get in all one word. Uh, those those are probably the best ways to find me, find what I'm doing professionally and see what's going on. Reach out, say hello, 
see if you, you know, if you like this podcast, you'll probably like ours as well, because mm-hmm. Billy and I are fairly similar. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And um, where can you find the podcast if people want to listen to the podcast? Oh, yeah. So Women Get In, we're hosted on Anchor, so you can find it anywhere. It's on, <clears throat> sorry, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find Women Get In. Awesome. Thank and we're you. almost at 100 episodes. So uh, there's talk of doing some sort of little meet and greet with Miley, my co-host, and I somewhere in the community at like a vegan spot soon. Oh, so if you're in Arizona. Yes. If you're in Arizona, if you're in the Phoenix area, uh, there's a possibility for a meetup in the next month or so. Oh, that sounds awesome. I definitely want to be part of that. That would oh, yeah. be really cool. We will, well, we will for sure be inviting all of our former guests, which includes you. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad I finally got you on. I was like, hey, I need you. <laughs> I know our, our schedules are crazy, but we made it. We did it. Yeah. Thank you so much. And if you're watching this now or you're watching it on the replay, please feel free to look Mandy up, reach out to her. If you're in the Phoenix area, go try some of her food, like cupcakes, get them. If you're, especially if you're going to like one of the vegan socials, get there early because her stuff sells out quick. It's delicious. Yeah. The, the, the hot ones always go really fast and I change it every month. So you just never know. Um, and please share this with anyone that you think needs to hear it. Um, like subscribe, do everything that you need to do in order to get this out into the world. And I will see you next week for another episode. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.